Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. The normal Christian life is a life that is of God, in Christ, and by the Holy Spirit. And a part of walking with God is to know God. That is to understand God, to see God, to recognize and perceive God as the Amplified Bible renders the word knowing God. But when I say we recognize, we understand, We don't say that the Christian has God figured out. The Apostle Paul would even say we know in part and we prophesy in part. And when it comes to the things of God, it's as though we look through a glass dimly. We can see. There's there's parts of God we really get. The love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. But there are things of God that's still rather mystical and obscure. Nevertheless, a Christian should never be groping around in the darkness and living in perpetual, ongoing confusion about God. Now, granted, one can know God as in, I love Him, I am adoring God, I I worship God, I, I know God. But to walk with God and to understand the ways of God It might even take us a lifetime. Nevertheless, light and revelation ought to be a part of the normal Christian life. It should not be a life of darkness and stumbling and ongoing offense. Again, there are things in God that will, as far as we are living in this frail human body, there are things that will remain mystical. But The things that God wants us to know and understand, He will get those things through to us if we live in the Holy Spirit. And that is the heartbeat of today's message. How do you know some of the basic things of God? How do you know some of the basic things of God's love, maybe God's mercy, maybe God's kindness? How do you know some of the things of Christ? Do you know that because of the Holy Spirit? Or do you know that and understand that because you're clever, you have a high IQ, maybe you have some education, or maybe you type it into a browser and now I know God? Well, today I want to explain to you that the spiritual man is uniquely qualified by the Holy Spirit to know God. Therefore, the mandate for us to walk in spirit, live in spirit, pray in spirit. But if you, although you're born again, although you are a person filled with the Holy Spirit, if you live within your natural man and you rely upon the elements of this world and maybe your culture and maybe your IQ and your cleverness, 
if you lean into the solical aspect of your nature, the carnal aspect, and you just use your natural intellect, your natural eye, maybe your natural ear, your natural imagination, well, the Apostle Paul would say in the first letter to the Corinthians that it is unlikely that you will really know God through the faculties of your natural man. So I want to contend with you in this message that unless you really learn the secrets of walking in the Spirit and you are humble and tender and meek before your Lord, you're not going to really know the depths of God, the heartbeat of God, the mind of God, and at times not even the ways of God. So this message is to encourage you to, in a way, don't put stock and wait into your natural man knowing God. Rather, in humility, lean into the Holy Spirit and watch how he will cause you to know God, how he will teach you God, and also how the Holy Spirit will help you discern God in certain situations and circumstances and in people. And I hope uh, this message encourages you. It's possible to know God. And uh, it it's an issue entirely of living a life in the Holy Spirit. You cannot just get to know God because you're smart, educated, that you're capable and talented and you have a high IQ and you use the laws of rhetoric and philosophy and now I got God figured out. That's not the knowing of God I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the knowing of God where just light is in you and truth is in you and discernment is in you and maybe you still lack explanation but you know that you know that you know that you know that is truth you know that you know that you know that you know that is light but you cannot just philosophize your way into it you have to humbly receive light from god remember the one that is light is god it says there in first john chapter 1 verse 5 god is light and in the beginning, God spoke the light. It's not like creation evolved into light. Creation did not evolve into order. It was imparted into it. Again, by the Spirit of God. Remember, the Spirit was hovering to bring light into the situation, to bring life into the situation. The Spirit. So the Spirit is hovering over us and then God, through the Spirit, will speak to you light. It's a spiritual thing that I'm hinting at here, not an educational thing. Now here in Corinth, we all thought it was a philosophical thing, an educational thing. And Paul picks up this thought, and I want to start there in verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1, and I want us to read through the entire chapter together. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says, And when I came to you, brothers, I came not according to the 
excellence of speech or of wisdom. I want you to notice there, this is the Greek way, the worldly way, the philosophical way, the persuasive way. This is man's way. I didn't come with you uh, to you in an excellent oratory, wise way, announcing to you the mystery of God. For I did not determine to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and this one crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. It's a direct contradiction to the way Greek orators spoke. They spoke in strength. They spoke in confidence. They spoke in education. They spoke in wisdom. They spoke in persuasion. They spoke in intellectualism. They spoke in point one, point two, point three, point four in a reasonable way. They spoke in a critical way. They spoke apologetically. And Paul was like, I did not speak in such a way. I was shaking, almost wetting my pants speaking to you. Do you see the picture? Verse 4. And my speech, my proclamation, were not in persuasive words of wisdom. But when I spoke to you, I spoke in a demonstration of the Spirit of God and of power. Do you see the contrast? If you're a good student of the Bible, you'll put some little icons in there that we've taught you about that indicate contrast. And again, Finney is going to say, the more you notice contrast, the more you're going to get a picture of what's going on. Paul says, I spoke in fear and weakness and trembling. I spoke in the Spirit of God, in power, in order that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Beautiful introduction there. He carries on in verse 6. But we do speak wisdom among those who are full grown. Yet, it's a wisdom that's not of this age. Nor of the rulers of this age. And then he interjects there, oh, by the way, they're being brought to nothing. Mm -hmm. This is his feeling towards the wisdom of the age. Verse 7, but we speak... God's wisdom in a mystery. This wisdom which has been hidden. This wisdom was unattainable, non-discernible. This wisdom was obscure. We, we didn't know God, really. The wisdom of God. Of course, listen carefully, the wisdom of God is Jesus the Christ. You know, all of us heathen, pagan, Roman, Greek people that lived there, we did not know that a man would be God's wisdom. We thought philosophy would be wisdom. We thought reason and apologetics and uh, 
the intellect, this, this is wisdom. We, we never had an idea that an actual person would be God's wisdom. I mean, that is like ludicrous, right? Education and going to college and books, this is wisdom. And Paul is like, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, I'm redefining wisdom for you. Flip your eyes back, cast it there on chapter 1 and verse 30. Well, let's just read verse 29. Verse 29, so that no flesh may boast before God. None of us can boast that we know God or we got God figured out. This, He says, but of Him you are in Christ Jesus. And then he says, that Christ, He became wisdom to us from God. Do you see that God's wisdom is not a set of rules or a kind of a moral way of living or a kind of a education? It's actually a person. And so the, the Greeks, they just, they just didn't get this. So this is what Paul is saying in verse 7 of chapter 2. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The wisdom which has been hidden, um, which God predestined before the ages for our glory. God predestined that a man would be the wisdom people need. A man. And by that man, you'll experience the glory of God and you'll manifest God by that man. God determined this. This is God's economy. This is God's way. Okay? Verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age have known. For if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Jesus just didn't make sense. Kill him. But he was the wisdom of God. But we never thought that God could be in a person... So, they killed that person. Verse 9. But as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, things which have not come up in man's heart, Things which God has prepared for those who love Him. <laughs> Let me tackle this verse by drawing a few pictures again on our ever-wonderful available screen. I want you to notice here what Paul is saying, not what we're thinking it says. I want you to notice what it actually says. Paul is on this theme that by our natural wisdom and our natural education, we could not touch the wisdom of God. God put His wisdom into this world through a man. We never saw it coming. Is everybody with me? It's a very important chapter here. And it's very pertinent to the way you're going to live the Christian life. Like we, in our wisdom, figured out the Tower of Babel. This is how we approach God. And we have our own law code and written code and morality and our philosophy and yada, yada, yada. And 
But God came in such a sneaky way through a person. And when that person came, we got so offended at him, we just crucified him. And what Paul is saying is that your natural eye cannot see the wisdom of God. This is exactly what he is saying here. He is saying here that which no eye has, no human eye can see God's wisdom. Then he says here, no natural ear can hear God's wisdom. Like Jesus came and he spoke the wisdom of God on this planet, did he not? Some of us thought, you, this is good speaking. But the vast majority of us just thought, how can you and God be one? This is heresy. Like he was the wisdom of God and we looked at it and we said, this is stupid. How can this possibly be? I'm listening to all of this stuff. I'm watching this Jewish man and my eye could not see the wisdom of God. Like God left before them and he says to Philip there, have I been with you so long and you don't know that like Yahweh is in your midst here? Like their eye cannot see God. Their ear just can't hear God. Your ear is only attuned to the things of this world. Philosophy, culture, religion. Then he says here, um, your heart, your, your inner imagination, your inner feeling can't even really touch God. It's not an issue of feelings and the heart and imaginations. You can't touch the light of God, the wisdom of God through your ear. You can't touch it through your eye. In other words, God has to be revealed to you. You do not have the constitutional capacity to figure God out yourself. God stood right in the midst of us. We stoned him, called him of, said, you're of the devil. And that's why Jesus spoke to them. He said, if, if this is your judgment and this is your wisdom that I'm of the devil, if this is the light that's within you, he says, this light is so dark and how great is the darkness inside of you? Do you see the strong point here? I tell you, if Jesus was to come and live in our day right now, you and I would not discern God either. We would not hear God through that man. So even your inner imagination can't fully make up what God is and receive the wisdom. In other words, you don't have the capability. It has to be revealed to you. A man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from above. That's grace, by the way. We don't work our way into the knowing of God. God is impressed upon you. Of course, you take care of your humility, your condition. God takes care of the impartation. Now, most of you will live in the Christian life and hear a message like this. Oh, heaven's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. You're, you're, you're I. Man, you ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, man, you've, you've heard nothing yet. Heaven's going to be so good. Oh man, you can't imagine even in your heart how great it's going to be. 
Like this is how this verse is presented to us. It's actually got nothing to do with the context. But Paul is tackling the wisdom of God. And he says, you and your eyes, you're not capable. Look at the next verse. Verse 10. Verse 10 starts with the word, but. Paul introduces a contrast again. On the one hand, he says, your natural eye and ear, even your most vivid imagination, just cannot figure God out. You can't touch God's wisdom this way. He says, but to us, God has, everybody say it, revealed them. How? Through the Spirit. Your eye cannot see Christ. Your ear cannot hear Christ as the wisdom of God. You can't even imagine what God is like or who Christ is like. But God is not, how do you say, limited by your incapability. So what He does is He baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. He fills you with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes in and God says, Let there be light. And you see. You love the sound effect, of course. And it happened exactly like that. But this is how it happens. God does want to reveal Himself to you. But it's from God and in the Spirit. Therefore, we can boldly say, when you live and walk and move in the Spirit, light is the byproduct. You should see. You should see the hidden mystery of God. To the natural eye, God is obscure. And Christ is foolishness. But to us who have received the Holy Spirit, we have received revelation. And you should receive more and more and more. Paul's going to go on in 2 Corinthians. He says, the veil is taken away. And you are growing from glory to glory. That is shining to shining. God should become stronger revealed within you because you're walking with Him over time and in the Spirit. Amen! Amen. So many of us have been in the, in the Lord for 10 years. And we're still like frustrated with God. In 10 years, we should be strong and confident and discerning and insightful in God. Not that we know everything God knows, but that we know God. We know the wisdom of God, which is Christ, not a philosophy. Is this not amazing? He says, but God to us, God has revealed them through the Spirit. Listen, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Here the context becomes so much stronger. Your ear and eye and your imagination, your feelings can't touch the depths of God. Only the Spirit of God can. Now here he's going to reason. Listen carefully. God's Spirit knows God. And you have been baptized in that Spirit. Therefore, you're going to know God. Like the prophecy says, even from the least of these, they will all know me. Oh, is that not glorious, saints? 
You cannot touch the depths of God. It has to be given to you. How is it given? In the Spirit. And the Spirit takes of what takes what God is, who God is, the Spirit. Ah. Oh, makes God known to you, reveals God to you, makes God real, real, real to you. But we must go on to verse 11. Paul stresses this a little more. He says, For who among men knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? That's easy to interpret. Look, I don't have a clue what goes on in McKenzie. I might have a better clue what goes on in Nate because he's a man. But uh, not even fully. Try to have a clue what goes on in women? Well, <clears throat> woo! What he's hinting at here is like, listen, you don't even know me fully. You don't even know my heart really, really, my person really, really. You just see me and hear me according to your natural man. You observe according to your natural man. But you don't even know the depths of what goes on inside of Francois. Neither can I inside of you. And Paul's like, you don't even know each other. How are you going to get to know God? This is impossible. Like, I can't figure Lindsay out. I can't figure Rachel out. Like, I, I see some things and I make some judgments and some observations, but most of the time I misinterpret you like you misinterpret me. That's why that we get so mad at each other on the earth. Now, if you don't even know one another fully with your natural eye, natural ear, why would you use your natural eye, natural ear to try to know God? He says, only the spirit of a man knows which is in him. Then he says, in the same way, this is simile, in the same way, notice, the things of God no one has known except the spirit of God. Can we all read that together with a strong spirit right now? Come on. In the same way, the things of God also no one has known except the Spirit of God. A man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from above. I can't even figure you out, much less God. Only the Spirit. Now here's the good news, gang. Yes, we cannot know God, but guess what? You were filled with the Holy Ghost, were you not? You were baptized with the Spirit, were you not? I'm going to show you some verses here in a little bit. You got to drink of the Holy Spirit, did you not? 1 Corinthians 12. He who is joined to the Lord is one. Ooh. So by the Spirit, you're going to touch the depths of God. By the Spirit, you're going to know God. Discern God, experience by the Spirit. Verse 12, Paul says, But we have not received the Spirit of the world, but, in contrast, we have received the Spirit which is of God. Now, because we've received the Spirit of God, the foregoing verses then applies to us. 
while my natural ear and eye cannot touch God, the depths of God, or even imagine God, only the Spirit knows the deep things of God. All of a sudden, that Spirit was given to me. <gasps> now I know God. I don't know what God knows, but I know God. This is revelation. We have received the Spirit which is from God. Why did you receive the Holy Spirit? Here it is. Everybody together slowly. That we may know the things which have been graciously given to us by God. So yes, God does want you to know. He does want you to see. He wants you to understand be in the light. He wants the veil torn. He wants the lights to come on. Now I'm simply admonishing you. Anything that you will see from God comes by the Spirit of God. Not by your capability so that no man can boast. Your natural eye, ear, and heart cannot touch God. You are touched by God in the Spirit. So you don't have a boast. It is freely given to us. This is the principle of grace at work. The principle of grace. You just say yes to the Spirit of God. Yes, Lord, you're welcome. Grace comes in. Light floods your being. So Paul says in verse 13, he says, which things also we speak. You know, these things of God that we get to know and experience, these things, in a bigger context, Christ. We speak these things. And this is currently my ministry. I speak the things that's been freely given to me. And he says here, he brings a clarification word. I speak not in words taught by human wisdom. Not because I learned it from this college or that man or this book. I, I speak it my way, the way God has revealed it to me, the way I'm touching the spirit of what Paul is saying. I'm not speaking the lingo of other people. I'm not trying to have the vernacular of other people, the accent of other. I just speak me. I've been around so many Christians that copycat everybody else. And I just don't. I don't have to be like you. I don't have to pray like you, talk like you. I just, to thine own self, be true. So he says, I speak to you, not in words taught by human wisdom. Here, he's like directly stabbing at them, saying, you talk only by your education and your upbringing and your philosophies and your rabbi and your teacher and your guy who taught you Aristotle or Plato or Socrates who taught you in rhetoric. I speak by God. It doesn't come out all that glamorous. But when I speak, the power of God is transferred into people, not the wisdom of man. Not the excellence of human speech. So some of you, you're afraid also to speak for God. 
Well, I can't speak the Bible. I'm not educated. I don't have enough lingo. I don't have enough. You're just like the heathen then. You don't stand up in the Areopagus there in Athens and start speaking unless you have a huge pedigree and a couple of certificates and diplomas and degrees behind you. A teacher and a philosopher or two to endorse you. In the Lord's body, it's entirely a different matter. We don't speak in the wisdom of God, but we speak in words taught by the Spirit. Notice that. We're taught by the Spirit. And then he says, interpreting spiritual things with spiritual words. I speak the things of God in a spiritual way to those who have spiritual ears. It may not make sense to the natural man. It doesn't come out all persuasive and clean and presentable to the natural ear. But it conveys the Spirit of God. Y'all need to repent a little bit before Jesus. Oh, I'm so afraid to lead a Bible study. I'm so afraid to speak for the Lord because I'm just not as clever as... I don't have as many... I can't speak like Charles Spurgeon. I'm just not as clever, not as smart, not as smooth. He says in verse 14, he still continues the same thought. He says, The soulish man does not receive... The things of the Spirit of God. Period. Just, you can't receive through your natural ear, eye, and your natural capability the things of God. This is Spirit we're talking about, not soul. And the Word of God has come to cut your spirit from your soul so that you receive things from the Lord in a spiritual way and not a soulical way. He says a, a clarifying word again. For the spiritual things of God, he says here, they are foolishness to him, and he is not able to know them, because they are discerned spiritually. That's why many of you do not grow spiritually because you read this as ink on paper. You're still caught up in intellectualism and vocabulary and persuasiveness and excellence of human wisdom and speech. Those things actually hinder you from the power of God, the Spirit of God, the deep things of God, the wisdom of God. Your natural man cannot figure God out, discern or know God. Your spiritual man can. That's why Paul says, walk in the Spirit. They're discerned spiritually. Uh, notice there in verse 12, in the middle of the sentence, <clears throat> I have three words that I circled in my Bible. Notice in verse 12, he says that we might know the things of God. That word, know. Notice there in uh, verse 13, he speaks. Um, Paul says, we are taught by the Spirit. We are taught. 
by the Spirit. Taught. Taught by the Spirit. And then notice there again in verse 14, there towards the end, he says, they are discerned spiritually. Notice that word, discerned. I want to take these three words and put it in the Holy Spirit. In the Spirit of God. This is a kind of a rhythm that gets established in your Christian life. By the Spirit, <laughs> the Spirit will cause you to know the things of God. But it's not like you just wake up and now you know everything God knows and you know A to Z. You are taught by the Spirit of God. That knowing for me relates to being taught. And Jesus even said there in Matthew 11, Come to me, you guys who are so weary, so burdened, you're so weighted down. Come take my yoke. My yoke is easy. My yoke is light. You remember that verse? Then he says, Learn from me. Let me be your rabbi. Learn from me. And here our Lord Jesus, through the Spirit, teaches you, teaches you. Many of us have this idea like we're just going to wake up and fully know God. And yes, there's these wonderful pockets of time in your life where you're just going to wake up and you see heavy revies and you can understand things and it just, it, wow, it just fits together. But I want to stress an aspect of the Holy Spirit's work. He will teach you and lead you and guide you and remind you of all truth. Because He imparts the light into you, layer upon layer upon layer. And then I want to show you another thing here that the Holy Spirit does that I, I don't think we, <laughs> we, we, we hardly ever look into maybe. Is there's such a gift called the gift of discernment. But I'm telling you, that gift ought to be all of ours in the Spirit. We all need discernment. And, and one of these things that the, that the Spirit does in us is He's able to make you sharp in what is of the world and man and flesh and persuasion and wisdom versus what is of God. Because so many of us in the, are in such a fog. We just take everything as though it's from God. And it isn't. But, but I can't come and say this, is, uh, this only is from God versus that. Now I'm persuading you. By the Spirit, you'll be kept in the truth. By the Spirit, you will discern. And as soon as you and I step out of the Spirit of God and we come back to our natural eye and ear, natural heart and inclination and feeling and imagination, we come back to just the solical man this discerning thing shuts down in your being immediately. And you just eat everything with the leaven in it, the poison in it, the mixture in it. Little of the world, little of God, little of self, little of the Spirit. Little muddy waters, little living waters. Three words, it just means so much to me. You are going to know God by the Spirit. But the Spirit is going to teach you. There's a progress 
and the fruit of the Spirit, gift of the Spirit, discernment, discernment. Oh, boys, do we need discernment, all of us, so much. Let's look at verse 15 and 16, and we are done for this introduction. Again, here he draws a contrast in verse 15. He says, but the spiritual man discerns all things. In the foregoing verse 14, he spoke about the solical man. The beginning there, a soulish man. He doesn't receive one iota from God. Then in contrast, he says, but the spiritual man, he can discern all things. Gang, I want to be that man. Even verse 15, we need to write, Lord, make this happen in my life. We need light. And by that light, you and I need to learn to navigate life. That is, this earthly life. We need discernment. So many of us, we just think because it's printed and it's published, oh, it must be truth. We just, we eat gleefully anything. The Spirit is one to cause you to discern, that is, have light. Verse 15, here's a little mysterious uh, verse here. He says, the spiritual man discerns all things, but he himself is discerned by no one. What on earth does that mean? Well, thank you for asking. The spiritual man can live on this earth and see the things of the kingdom of heaven. Remember, Jesus said, if you're born again, you'll see the, king, the things of the kingdom of heaven. If you're not born again, you won't even see it. John 3. You and I were born of God. We can see the things of God. We discern God. Um, a circumstance happen in life, instead of blaming the devil or cursing you, I can discern, wow, God's doing a work here. Instead of blaming, escaping, crying, I discern the things of God. I can discern this is really the devil. I can discern this is the works of darkness. I can discern this is the work of ambition, ego, self-serving. This is the work of pretense. I discern these things as I'm living. I, and I'm in the kingdom. I can see the veil, the scales. Opened, fallen off. I discern things. Not because I'm so smart, but the Spirit. But then you're looking at me saying, now how did you get to that conclusion? Why did you make that wise choice when all of us jumped over the cliff? Somehow you said no. It's like, we can't figure out spiritual people. It's exactly what this means. He's discerned by no one. People will look at you and say, why are you going to Legacy for six weeks? This doesn't make sense. You know, the Spirit has shone light into your being and said, go. And you're like, yes, Lord, I discern this is of God. Everybody's like... What is this? You're wasting your life. Six weeks of your life? No. Like, how did you get to that conclusion? You don't have money? You... I know God will provide for me. 
This is what's going on. Throughout the centuries, we've looked at the spiritual men and we're like, why are you doing that? Why are you carrying that cross around the planet? Are you crazy? Like, I can't discern. That person touches the depths of God and he discerns God is causing me to do this or saying that. And the rest of us look at us like, you don't have a qualification. You're supposed to be, you know, picking up trash. Now you're, you know, speaking the word of God. You, you know, you, you're not qualified for this. And we have these judgments and these criticisms. We can't discern because we just the eye, the ear, he just stupid. That is Greek for doofus, which is Hebrew for you just can't see. Isn't that beautiful? So yeah, being led of God will cause you to see, but it's no guarantee that others will see. They may even like crucify you, kill you, get offended because they just can't see what you see. And you try to shove the Bible in the throat and like, can't you see you don't know they can't? They need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled, immersed, saturated with God, they'll see. Last verse, for who has known the mind of the Lord and will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Glorious, glorious, glorious. Great chapter. There's so much more in there in your private time you can dig into. Let's just make the strong point this morning. When we say we get to know God, we don't get to know what God knows. That'll come, if ever. But we do get to know God and touch His mind and we have the mind of Christ. So through light, through truth, through revelation, the mind of God is touched. That's the nature of our discussion. It has to be a part of the Christian life.